You are listening to The Whole Testament, a podcast working to put the Old and New Testaments back together. You can find us on thewholetestament.com or by searching The Whole Testament on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this appetizer episode, Dave will look at the passages about Jesus healing the paralytic and draw out some interesting connections to the Hebraic understanding of sin. We will see how Jesus always sees more than the obvious and try to figure out what that means for us. All right, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 2. If you're driving, I would suggest you avoid that. Otherwise, if you have your scripture in front of you, it will help you because your eyes will see it and your ears will hear it and it will set deeper into your memory. But if you're driving, you probably don't want to do that. Um, So we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. We're going to talk about the story. The title in my Bible, which is an ESV, is Jesus Heals a Paralytic. So we're going to talk about the story of the paralytic, familiar to a lot of us who have spent any time in church. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. We're going to stop there uh, because I, I see in this story two different interactions. One, Jesus interacting with the paralytic and then Jesus interacting with the scribes. And so we're going to look at the paralytic first. There's so many times in our lives when uh, we come to Jesus and we're like desperate. You know, I don't know if you've ever been as desperate as this guy, but I bet if we were to look in in the depths of our soul, there would be times when we're just like, we're desperate. Like um, our finances are a mess. Our marriage is a mess. My job is, is, is difficult or non-existent. I and frustrated with my spiritual life. I uh, blah, 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 fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. We're just desperate, right? There's this um, broken broken part of our lives. And we're just, we're just so hungry for Jesus to do something. And that's, that's kind of what we find in this guy. Although almost as I read it, I would say it's more his friends that are desperate. And there's some things that are going on that suggest that. I mean, they're doing all the hard work. So they bring this guy, right? So the friends, they're so desperate to get this guy to Jesus. Uh, they can't get in through the crowd, and so they go up on the roof. And, you know, this is the focus usually of this passage is these, these great friends who are going to come, and they're going to tear open the roof and let this guy down, and it's going to be amazing. And you can just see the excitement and the anticipation of them lowering this guy down into the room through the roof. And there's Jesus, and he's going to look at the guy, and he's going to be like, get up and walk. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't do that. He looks at the guy, and then it makes this statement. It says, he saw their faith. The there is not the guy on the mat. 
It's the four guys who are letting the guy down on the mat. Jesus sees their faith, which suggests to me that he sees the paralytic on the mat's lack of faith. Jesus looks at this guy. He looks past the labels that have been put on him, the labels that he probably even believes of himself. You see, this guy, he's not given a name. We don't have his name. It wasn't they let Fred down or Steve down on the mat. It was they let the paralytic down on the mat. They brought the paralytic. Jesus looks at the paralytic. This guy's labeled the paralytic. Everybody in the room sees him. Oh, this guy's got problems. This guy's got, he's, he's deformed. He's, he's messed up. Everybody sees it and everybody believes it. And he on the mat is probably in the same camp as them. He's probably been so discouraged and so distraught for so long that his life is this way, that he just has accepted it. And now in the presence of Jesus, his faith is weak. Lucky for him, for his friends. But the beauty of the story is Jesus looks at this guy and we miss it. We miss it if we're not paying attention. And he does not say, get up and walk. He looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. This is such a powerful statement about one, who Jesus is, and two, what's the heart of the matter in this guy's life? You see, in that day and age, if you had some serious illness like this, if you were paralyzed, if you were blind, if you were like a, a flow of blood like the, the woman um, who touched Jesus, these are all, they believe that the reason why you had these things was because there was sin in your life. You were living your life in direct contrast to way, the way that God told you to do that. And because of your obstinance in that, God has put this difficulty in your life. And even if you look at other part of the Bible where Jesus heals a blind man, the uh, disciples say, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not what's going on. This was to show the power of God. God allowed the blindness in this guy's life so that that one day, the power of God could be shown to be what it really is. So we find this guy on this mat, and I bet you he knows the sin in his life. Don't we all know the sin in our life? Don't we all find ourselves accepting the labels put on us as opposed to dealing with the sin in our lives? Isn't it easier to be sidetracked about some other issues as opposed to seeing the truth of the brokenness that's not in our physical body like the paralytic, but in our souls, the paralyzed soul. This guy was a paralytic on the outside as well as on the inside. He had been so broken and so far away from what God desired for him that he had just given up. 
because Jesus saw the faith of his friends. He was able to look into the heart of this guy and speak to the real issue in his life. Son, your sins are forgiven. I would even bet that this guy believed that there was no way he could ever be forgiven. That what he had done, how he had lived, the lack of faith he had had would leave him with a paralyzed soul for the rest of his life. So everybody in the room was looking at the outward, the obvious, but Jesus saw into the depths of who this guy is. And I will tell you today that Jesus sees you. He knows the depths of your brokenness. And he is desperate to speak into your life. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, but you don't know what my, your sins are forgiven. Wash me in the water. Cleanse me in the mercy of your love. I need a heavenly Verse 6, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Who can forgive sins but God alone? The scribes and Pharisees say, who can forgive sins? And Jesus says, so you will know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I wonder, it's interesting to me, um, had the scribes and Pharisees not been questioning that, would Jesus not had healed the guy? Just a question. I'm sure he knew they would ask that question. I'm sure he knew in the midst of dealing with the sins of this paralytic, that he was going to upset these uh, teachers of the law. I'm sure he knew he was going to deal with it um, in the way he did, but it's just interesting that they would say, "Uh, just so you will know. He's not healing the guy for the guy. He's saying, so you will know who God is. 
who I am. I want you to see something that you may not know, you may not be aware of. Um, A lot of us uh, have missed this. Um, This is one of the things we're trying to do here at the whole Testament is to put the New Testament and the Old Testament back together and just make it the Testament. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to show you a little a little glimmer of something that we've missed that this passage is dealing with. If we turn into Leviticus chapter four, it's about the law of the sin offering. So the first, uh, so Leviticus is the book that deals with all the rules, the purity rules. So the temple's been built um, in the in the end of Exodus. The temple is finally built, and um, God's presence fills the temple. And then so much so, the glory of God is so big and so powerful that Moses, well, let me take that back. It's not the temple, it's the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the tent that moved until Solomon built the temple. So um, it's the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle so full that Moses cannot even enter. Moses, who's probably the holiest guy on the earth at the time, cannot enter into the presence of God because it's so powerful and there's so much glory in the space. And so Leviticus starts, the very first part of Leviticus is Leviticus says, God called to Moses from the tent of meeting and says, so here are the ways you are to approach me. I finally have a place where I'm choosing to put my name, I'm gonna put my glory here in your presence, but my glory is significant and it's powerful and you can't just approach it lightly. And so here are the ways sinful humanity can have communion with a holy God. That's what Leviticus is about. And then there are these series of offerings. There are like five five sacrifices that are listed through um, Leviticus one through five, and then it repeats chapter six through eight, uh, repeat with more detail on on those offerings. And so we're gonna look at the sin offering, right? Who can forgive sins but God alone, right? So here's this offering that God set up to deal with sin, okay? Here's what it says. Speak to the people of Israel saying, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them. I wanna read that again. If anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them. The sin offering is for an unintentional sin doing anything that is not to be done. Okay? It's very specific. We, um, through our history and heritage, have been taught that the offerings, all the sacrifices dealt with sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, he dealt with that and did away with that. The problem is there's only one sacrifice that actually deals with sin. And that sacrifice only deals with unintentional sin. The sacrificial system does not have a sacrifice or a fix for somebody who sins intentionally. We will be speaking more into this in a separate podcast that will go a little more in depth on discussing this. So if you're interested in that, you can be looking for that to come. So when Jesus is standing here, the scribes and the Pharisees know that this guy is a sinner 
because God has seriously punished him with paralysis. And he is so messed up that there is no sacrifice. He cannot go get a goat or a sheep or a cow or a bull and take it to the temple and offer it and be forgiven for his sins because there isn't a sacrifice for that. The Old Testament does not provide a way out of an intentional transgression against God. The only thing you can do is humble yourself before God and pray and hope that he will forgive you. That's it. In fact, in the Psalms, David says, blessed are those whose sins, iniquities, and transgressions you have not held against them. See, it's, it's, you are blessed if God has not held those against you because there's nothing you can do to right that wrong in and of yourself. You can only hope that God does it. So here is this guy on the mat and Jesus looks right at him, looks right at that intentional sin in his life and says, your sins are forgiven. So what is Jesus saying about himself? He is saying, I am God. I have the authority that the sacrificial system is incapable of giving you. I give you that. You are free from your sins. This is what made the scribes so upset. They're like, man, he is blaspheming. He is calling himself God. And Jesus says, so you may believe that I have the authority now get up and walk. Not only do I have the power to say your sins are forgiven and forgive you of your sins simply by my spoken word into your life. Not only do I have that authority, but I can reverse the struggle that your body has been put in because of the sin. So the Pharisees are looking at him. Now, there's a whole nother podcast we'll have to do on why do bad things happen? Are they from God? Are they from the devil? Are they from, but I'm just speaking right now in the minds of the scribes and the Pharisees. They're looking at this guy saying he's here because he is such a sinner. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And so that you know that they're forgiven, get up and walk. Jesus is looking at your life, okay? And he sees past those physical things, the things that you think are important because he says, you know what? I cannot heal your marriage if you will not let me heal your heart. I cannot fix your finances if you won't give them over to me. I cannot take care of these outward physical struggles and conflicts in your life because I put them there to show my glory. I put them there so that you will see you are in desperate need of me. I'm the one who can fix the deep brokenness. And so you know that it's fixed. I will put my hand into the rest of it. But we cannot heal the paralytic and allow him to get up and continue sinning. In fact, you see it in a different story where Jesus tells the guy, get up, 
take your mat and go and sin no more so that nothing worse can happen to you. He says, these, some of these things that are these conflicts, these struggles that are in our lives are to get our attention so that we can turn our eyes to the Messiah. And you may be today in that place of the guy on the mat where you feel helpless. You've accepted the label on your life. You are the paralytic. You've accepted it. And even in the face of Jesus, your faith is weak. And so I'm just going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, may I be the friend who has the faith, God. I have the faith that deeply believes you desire to heal the deepest recesses of brokenness in the people that are listening, the people that feel defeated, that feel rejected, that feel unable in and of themselves to even get to you. I pray, God, that you would look them in their eyes, call them by their name, not their label, and speak to the deepest struggle in their lives. And then I just pray, God, in that moment, when those things are removed, that you would prove to them the power that you have worked in them by beginning to change the circumstances in their lives. We ask this in your name, Jesus, our Messiah. Thanks for listening to The Whole Testament. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. If you would like more information about us, you can find us at thewholetestament.com. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at thewholetestament at gmail.com. In our next episode, Dave, Kevin, and Fred will be discussing the three different words for sin in the Old Testament, along with the sin sacrifice found in Leviticus chapter 4. It is important for us to understand the sin sacrifice if we are to fully understand what happened at the cross. This next episode might challenge your understanding of sin and the sacrificial system. You will not want to miss it.